Father, we continue to praise you and thank you for who you are and what you've done through your son, Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity you've given us to be together, to to gather together and corporately worship you, to praise you, to declare your excellencies. And Lord, I do pray as we look into your word that you would instruct us and that we would be instructable, that you would allow us and help us to, that you would help us to respond and receive your word in a way that is pleasing to you. Lord, take away anything that is in the way so that we would respond rightly and you would be glorified today. We thank you for this uh, time and we commit it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm always amazed when I look at the statistics uh, about who claims to be a Christian in America. Uh, It's about uh, maybe 15, 20 years ago, it used to be 80%. Now it's supposedly about 75% that uh, claims to be Christian. But when you start to kind of narrow those statistics down, we get a better picture. Uh, Those who would claim to be born again are about 29%. Um, would you, as compared to 39% about 15 years ago. So that's changed. And within that, there's uh, a less percentage of those who would claim that the Bible is God's inerrant word. So when you come down to it, although we live in a nation that may name Christ uh, at a majority percentage, uh, if you look around, not many people are really following the Lord. I don't see 75% of people sold out and committed to Christ. Do you? I don't see 30% of people sold out and committed to Christ. And the reality is what Jesus shared, that the road is narrow, the, the door is narrow. Let me share this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And many are those who enter by it. Matthew 7:14. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And few that find it. Few are those who find it. And he makes the, the same parable. He makes the same statement in the parable of the mustard seed. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. That's one of the smallest seeds. In which a man took and sowed in his field. This is smaller than all the other seeds, but when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. We're going to see today that the way we walk is an indication of what road we are on, and within that, what gate we have entered. Would you turn your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 3? We're going to see that we are to walk in a certain way as believers. We're going to see the Apostle Paul encouraging us to walk thus as he walked. Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 to 21, but we're only going to get to 19 today, but it does go all the way through to the end of the chapter. And again, the context of the book of Philippians, Paul is writing uh, those he loves. He's under house arrest in Rome. He has already thanked God and praised him for uh, the Philippians. He's prayed for them. He has, he's also shared his circumstances. He's imprisoned, but the gospel isn't. And he has uh, uh, shared his attitude that to live is Christ and to die is gain, that in all things he wanted Christ to be magnified. And then he addressed the Philippians' attitudes, that they were to be united, they were to be uh, humble, they were to be like Jesus having the mind of Christ, seeing others is more important than themselves, humbly submitting, obeying. 
And we see the example, the perfect example of Jesus Christ who humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, a gracious God who became human flesh for us. And because he is Lord of all, Paul gives the command for us to obediently work out our salvation with fear and trembling that we should obey. We should not be complaining and arguing. And then we saw at the end of chapter 2, three selfless examples of humility. The Apostle Paul himself, Timothy, and Epaphroditus. And then in chapter 3, Paul begins to warn uh, the Philippians that they would face opposition to the gospel. They would face opposition, those whom they should beware of. That he continues to warn them and remind them because it is a safeguard for them to be reminded and warned that they would face opposition, there would be those false brethren who ultimately worship in the flesh, glory in self, and rely on their flesh. Rather than true believers who, who worship in the Spirit of God, glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. And then we saw and have looked at for the past few weeks the Apostle Paul's testimony. His testimony of where he was at before he came to Christ. He was one who put his confidence in his flesh and his religious accomplishments and his religious abilities and his religious heritage. He put his confidence in that. But yet when he came to Christ, or rather Christ came to him, he realized that all of that was was like trash, like refuse, that he would gain Christ. And he did gain Christ and he gained his righteousness through faith the righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ, a true believer, the Apostle Paul. And we saw after he came to faith, his desire was to know Christ, to, to have to know the fellowship of his sufferings, the power of his resurrection, to know those things, to be like Christ, to be conformed to his image, conformed to his death, that he would live the resurrection, resurrection life. And so with that in mind, we saw that the process of sanctification is simply becoming conformed to the image of Christ, becoming like Jesus Christ, dying to self and living to God. And then we saw that uh, within this passage, the Apostle Paul summarizing his, 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 uh, his exhortation, at least concerning his, his, uh, his testimony. And he says that he summarizes his exhortation like we saw last week that they should be like him, that they should press forward, that he is uh, pressing forward, not looking back, not looking at the things that lie behind, but the things that are ahead towards the upward call in Christ Jesus, that upward call. And that's what we should be doing. We should not be looking back, but pressing forward to the things that lie ahead. And so we're going to see today that the process of becoming like Christ is something that we should be doing, but it should manifest in our walks. And the Apostle Paul is going to exhort us to walk like he walked. Again, Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at verses 17 uh, through 19. Philippians 3, 17 through 19, if you're not already there. Philippians 3, verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk of whom I often told you and now even tell you weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly await For a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. We're going to see right here today that we are exhorted to walk in the manner in which Paul walked. And then we're going to give uh, two rationales, one negative and one positive, for why we should be walking this way, why we should follow the example of the Apostle Paul and those who walk like he walked. So we're going to see the Apostle Paul, in contrast to the bad guys, has given his testimony, a one that is focused on Christ, one that is focused on being like him, and he's going to exhort us to do the same. Look at verse 17. We're going to see that we are to walk the way the Apostle Paul walked. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. He begins with the word brethren. He's already used it five times, and he's going to use it eight times by the end of chapter 4. He's speaking to believers, the saints that are at Philippi, those who have trusted in Christ as their Lord and Savior. They are partakers of grace. They are those in whom God has begun a good work and will complete it. They are those brothers and sisters, children of God, who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's addressing believers, and that's a prerequisite You see, you can't walk the way the Apostle Paul walked unless you are a true believer in Jesus Christ because it is impossible to to live the Christian life apart from having Christ in you. It's impossible. And so the Apostle Paul says, brethren. And then he says, join in following my example. Now, this sounds almost like a suggestion, doesn't it, in 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 your translations, but it's not. The Greek verb here actually... You could translate it this way, brethren, become mimics of me. The term become here, or or, or ginomai, speaks of becoming something or coming into something. And it's in a present tense imperative mood. It is a command. Brethren, become, become this way, continually, habitually. Become what? He says, imitators, or in your translations, join in following my example. Now, this term translated join in my example comes from the Greek term soon mimetis. And that term mimetis, we get our word mimic, mimic, mimic with me, imitate me, he's saying. Brethren, join in imitating me, become imitators of me. That's a pretty uh, bold thing to say, isn't it? Someone to come who's a believer in Jesus Christ, a sinner saved by grace, saying, mimic me. Become like me. That's pretty bold, right? And some might say Paul's being kind of prideful here, isn't he? Shouldn't he be humble? Saying, oh, you should be like Christ, but don't become like me. I'm a sinner. No, he says, become like me. You see, if we have an accurate understanding of the Apostle Paul, he was not being prideful at all. You see, he recognized that everything he did was because of Christ working in him. It was by his grace that he was able to function as he functioned. And so we have here the command, become imitators or fellow imitators of me. That's a command. And we're going to see that the way we are to walk, we are to imitate or mimic the way the Apostle Paul followed Jesus Christ. And guess what? We just saw his testimony, didn't we? 
We just looked at that. Let's look at it again. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Let's start there. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or already become perfect, but I press on in Press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as laying hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if any of anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that to you, that also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. And then he says, brethren, join in becoming fellow imitators of me. Now, this isn't something that the Apostle Paul hasn't shared before. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 16, he says, I therefore exhort you, be imitators of me. He also shares that later on in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. Be imitators of me, just as I uh, imitate or am of Christ. Mimic my walk. Walk like I am walking. Walk in the way that I am following Christ, the Apostle Paul is saying, as we're going to see. You see, the goal the Apostle Paul had was to press forward, not looking back. The goal he had was to become like Jesus Christ in every situation. The goal was the upward call. And that's how we are to walk. And we are to walk like those who actually are walking that way. Because we're going to see there are those that aren't walking that way. There are believers who name the name of Christ who are not walking like the Apostle Paul walked. And we are not to mimic or imitate their walks. We are to mimic, mimic and imitate those as we will see, be like those who are truly following Christ. So you say, in what way are we to imitate the Apostle Paul? Well, let me share just a little bit from the book of Philippians, how we can mimic his walk where he's at, where his heart is at towards the Lord. Remember back in chapter 1, verse 3, we can imitate his prayer life. He says, I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. We need to pray for one another. We can imitate and mimic him and be like him by praying for one another from a right heart. From a right heart. We can also understand and imitate recognizing God's sovereignty over circumstances. The Apostle Paul said in verse 6 of chapter 1, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He was confident in God's sanctifying work, which would lead to glory. We can mimic him in that, believing what God has said. We can mimic his attitude towards uh, circumstance. When I say mimic, I'm not saying copy from just the externals. It's from a heart that's changed, that, 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 that imitates or is like the way the Apostle Paul is, thinks the way he thought in his relationship with the Lord. Verse 12 of chapter 1, we can mimic his attitude or imitate his attitude towards circumstances. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment for the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. 
and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. He saw God's sovereign hand in his trials. We can imitate that and recognize the same thing Paul recognized, right? We can imitate his attitude towards suffering. Verse 28, 28, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. We can recognize that God does bring difficulties, that we've been chosen by him for glory, but there's the sufferings for the glories to follow. We need to have the mindset that Paul had. We need to walk like Paul. He's commanding us. We can imitate his value of what is valuable and what is not, right? But whatever things were gained to me, those things, chapter, chapter 3, things I've considered lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. We need to mimic Paul from the heart concerning his desire to know Jesus Christ and to become more like him. We can mimic, we need to imitate his, uh, his concern regarding false brethren. Beware the dogs, beware the evil workers, beware the false circumcision, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God, glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. We need to mimic and imitate his passion to reach the goal of Christ's likeness. But one thing, verse 13 of chapter 3, I do forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Just in Philippians, there is plenty for us to imitate as believers, to become like. Now, for us to be like Paul, we have to see him in the Scriptures, don't we? We have to see his inspired example. We need to see how did the Apostle Paul, as we're going to see, respond to circumstances? How can we imitate and mimic that also in our hearts rightly before God? So the command here is to join together becoming imitators of Paul. Become imitators of Paul. We are to be fellow imitators of the Apostle Paul. Now, some might say, shouldn't we just imitate Jesus Christ? And that's true, right? We're to be like Christ, absolutely. You remember the old saying, like 10 or 15, 20 years ago, what would Jesus do, WWJD? That's, that, we are to be imitators of God. We are to mimic, we are to be like him. I don't like the word mimic. It's, 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 that sounds like it's fake. I'm not talking about fakeness. I'm talking about becoming like that, right? Ephesians chapter 5, 1, we are to imitate God and walk in love, right? Ephesians 5, 1. But let me share one caveat when we think of this idea of what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do that we should mimic? He kept entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on the cross. He completely denied self and his own will and did the Father's will. Well, that really ups the ante on what would Jesus do, right? He was obedient to the point of death. Well, with that in mind, God is gracious because we know the Lord Jesus Christ never sinned. 
We know Lord Jesus Christ was a perfect man who came and took on human flesh. He lived the perfect life. He was tempted like us, but that temptation was from the outside, not from the inside. He did not have sinful flesh like we have. And therefore, he is able to come to our aid. He is a merciful and faithful high priest who is faithful to come to our aid when we are tempted. Absolutely. But we see in Scripture people like us. The Apostle Paul, a man who had a nature like ours, who came to faith in Jesus Christ, who trusted in him, and we are to imitate his walk. You can think of it this way. WWJDTP. What would Jesus do through Paul? How would he do it through someone who is sinful? How does a true believer to respond as they trust in Jesus Christ? As they rely on him? You see, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are to imitate and mimic Christ and follow him. But we have examples in scripture of those we are to walk like. Join in following or becoming imitators of me the apostle paul says join in that first Thessalonians 1 6 paul says you became imitators of us and of the lord you came to faith you were true believers you became mimics of the way we follow jesus you manifest the same type of walk as we had First Corinthians eleven eleven. Be imitators of me, Paul says, just as I am of Christ. We want to be like Christ. But we see that manifest in the person of the Apostle Paul. And he is saying here, be mimics of me. And it is Christ who enables us to do so. So let me ask you this. Are you following the example? We're commanded to do so, by the way. Are you following the example of the Apostle Paul? Are you in the Word of God? We can't follow the example if we don't know the example. If I don't see, how did the Apostle Paul, in trusting Christ, respond to these circumstances? How did he do so? And we see that he trusted Christ and Christ was faithful. He saw things from God's perspective with a right mindset. But notice, he, he goes beyond this. He says in verse 17, back in our passage, he says, Brethren, join in following my example... And observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Paul now expands the command not only to the, are they to imitate Paul together, pressing towards that goal of Christ's likeness together, like Paul did, right? Seeing this, this world as, a, as an avenue for, for God to be magnified. Seeing the, the difficulties as, as an avenue for God to be glorified. Seeing things differently like the Apostle Paul did. He says, also, observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. We've seen this term observed before. Scopeo. It speaks of keeping a watchful eye on something. Noticing carefully, and it's in the present imperative, which means a continual habitual command. You are commanded to observe continually habitually those who are trusting and obeying Christ, walking like the Apostle Paul walked. According to, as he will say, the pattern you have in us. 
Now, this term translated those who walk, it speaks of a lifestyle. It speaks of the way they live their lives. Observe continually, habitually, those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Carefully notice continually those who have a lifestyle that reflects the pattern you have in us, the Apostle Paul says, and that us would probably be him and Timothy and and Silas. Now, this term pattern is the Greek word, comes from the Greek word tupos. We get our word uh, type from that. It speaks of the exact impression or mark made by a blow. It speaks of a figure formed by blows of the hammer or chisel, an image or a statue. It speaks of something in small-scale form designed to be copied or patterned or modeled after. He's saying, look at the pattern and model of following Jesus Christ you see in us and do the same thing. Look at how we follow Christ and you do the same thing. And look at others who follow him like we do, scope them out and follow that. Scope them out. The Apostle Paul followed the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. As you have received him, so walk in him. He trusted him. He applied his word to his circumstances. And he saw things from a heavenly perspective, not from an earthly perspective. That's the pattern you see in the Apostle Paul. One who was pressing forward towards the goal, that upward call. That's the pattern you see in in Paul. And there are some who are doing that. And when you see them, scope them out and look at their faith as you're going to see their walk. It's a walk of faith. They trust the Lord in the midst of these things. They apply God's word to their circumstances. They have a renewed mind. They're not falling apart. They're trusting Christ. Yes, there may be grief over things and joy over other things, but they're trusting Jesus Christ. Scope them out and follow that pattern. Follow that pattern. Those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. That type, that exact pattern, that exact pattern. Paul's saying, imitate me as revealed in the, in the scriptures and watch those who walk like us. Who walk like us. It's not an external pious religiousness like Paul had before. He was righteous by the law, but he was a wicked, wretched sinner on the inside. Now he was a man who desired to know Christ, to be like him, and to have his mind changed and to do his will all the way to glory. Look for that and follow that. We had this read earlier. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And for this reason, verse 13, we constantly thank God when you receive from us the word of God's message, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. For, he's explaining, for you, brethren, became imitators, mimics of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hand of your countrymen even as they did from the Jews. They came to faith and they suffered and they responded rightly. They became imitators of those who had also come to faith in Judea and trusted the Lord. Paul's letter to Timothy reveals, second letter to Timothy reveals, he uh, mimicked Paul and shows us some areas specifically. Turn to 2 Timothy 3. Timothy followed Paul. He mimicked him. It's a different word, but it's close to the same meaning. 
Don't follow the externals. Follow the internals, by the way. Follow the internals. Follow where their hearts are at as they trust Jesus, as they show and reveal their faith in their walk, their faith in Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 3.10, he's speaking to Timothy. But you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith. This is 3.10. Patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings. You followed these things, Timothy. Timothy would be a guy we should scope out and follow too, right? Right? Don't follow people who are naming the name of Christ but are walking like they don't know him, as we're going to say. Follow those who are truly following Christ. Mimic their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, one side note, you can't obey this command to imitate Paul and others or be like him if you're not around the body of Christ. If you're not around, you're all here, so you're preaching to the choir, but if you're not around the body of Christ, how can you follow someone's example? You're not even around them, right? If you're a lone ranger Christian away from the body of Christ, you cannot obey God's word in so many places, and you are in disobedience, and maybe it's a, it's a, an indication that you didn't come to Christ. We are not to isolate ourselves. We are to be around mature believers. He who walks with the wise will be wise. Now that's biblically wise, Proverbs, okay? Those who have gained the wisdom of Christ and are applying it from a right heart. 2 Timothy 2.22 Now flee youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. Pursue the things of Christ with those who have right hearts towards Christ. Pursue them. The implication is there are those who don't call upon the Lord with a pure heart. The implication is there are those who actually, as we'll see in a moment, set their mind on earthly things. They don't set their mind on the things above. They set their minds on earthly things, which is an evidence something's wrong. Don't walk like they walk, because their walk leads to destruction. Don't walk that way. Walk this way. If you're going to follow Jesus, we need to mimic Paul as revealed in the scriptures and observe those who do so also. We're being commanded to do so. Being commanded. Book of Hebrews talks about this. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Hebrews 13, 7. Remember those who led you, and then he's going to say how they led them, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, that's their walk, imitate what? Their faith. Imitate their faith. Believe the Lord like they believe the Lord. Trust in Him. Renew your hearts and minds in every circumstance. Pursue Christ's likeness. Imitate their walk of faith in Jesus Christ. Imitate their faith. Well, how are you doing? Are you imitating the example of those who trust Jesus, who rely on him, who want to be like Jesus? Obviously, they're not perfect. Are you imitating the walk of those who are wanting to be like Christ, who are pressing forward, who are seeing things from the mindset we see in the Apostle Paul in Scripture, addressing the circumstances and situations in life according to the word of God, not falling apart, but trusting in Christ and relying on him completely. 
believing he is faithful, trusting in his word. Imitate their faith. How are you doing? Are you observing those who do so also? You know, so often people observe people from the outside. If you did that, you'd be following the Pharisees. I'll tell you that right now. Don't do that. Observe those who you can tell from Scripture are manifesting a true faith in Jesus Christ. They are pressing forward towards that goal. They are not looking back. They are wanting to be like Jesus. They're wanting to die to sin and live to righteousness. The ones that are following Jesus. We're to walk that way, and we are to scope out those who are walking that way too. Again, he who walks with the wise will be wise. The companion of fools will suffer harm. If you're hanging out with people who are never trusting the Lord, you're hanging out with the wrong people. First of all, encourage them to trust the Lord. Walk like those and scope those out who are trusting Jesus, believing in him, setting their mind, as we will see, on the things above not the things of earth. That's going to be the defining factor. Which type of Christian do we follow? The one, quote-unquote, who is always has their mindset on this earth? Or the one who is focused on the things above, like we see in the example of the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul lived on this earth, but his mindset was in the heavens. You see that? So we see that we are to imitate together by the power of the Spirit. Uh, The Apostle Paul is revealed in Scripture. So when situations come, you want to go to the Word. How did did Paul trust the Lord in a situation? What was his mindset? I want to have that, Lord Jesus. And you renew your heart and mind with the truth. The truth. But you also mimic and imitate those who walk and observe those who walk in the same pattern, the type which you've seen. Someone who's trusting in Jesus Christ, relying on him, focusing on him genuinely. Now at this point, Paul gives two rationales for the walk, one negative and one positive. We're going to finish today with the negative aspect for why we should do this, and then next time look at the positive aspect, the glorious one. So remember that. As we look at the negative one, there's a positive one also. Why should we be mimicking Paul and those who walk like him? Uh, we're going to see the negative rationale and a warning that we should beware of the alternative. Back to our passage, chapter 3, verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example. It's a command, by the way. And observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Scope it out and do it. And then he explains. The term for speaks of an explanation here, by the way. For many walk. It's about your walk. It's about your day-to-day heart. Where is it in your life and how does it manifest in your behavior? For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. He's beginning to explain. He's saying, walk like us and those who walk like us because there are many who don't walk that way. There are many who don't. The implication is these are not just the world. The implication, the context here is there's differing walks within the quote-unquote body of Christ. 
Remember, the whole context of this is we are the true circumcision who do this and this and this. We're not like that. That's the context. There were false guys who walked differently, and you're to watch out for that and recognize where their end is and don't be like them because where their hearts are at makes them, as we will see, enemies of the cross of Christ. For many walk, of whom I often told you and now even tell you weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Many have a lifestyle, as we will see, in regards to their relationship with Jesus, that effectively makes them hostile towards the cross of Christ. Continual habitual action. For many continually habitually walk this way. Now, I shared two passages earlier that reveal that we are the minority. That there are few that find the truth in Jesus Christ. Few that actually come to faith in Jesus Christ. That the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest, but it will be the biggest. In Luke chapter 13, actually turn to Luke chapter 13. Even his disciples were going, what's going on here, Lord Jesus? What's going on? doesn't seem like many people are getting saved. Doesn't seem like many are really coming to faith like you are have revealed to us. Luke chapter 13, verse 22. And he was passing through from one city to a village to another, teaching and proceeding on his way to Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter by the narrow gate, narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter, and they will not be able. And he goes on. Same illustration that we saw earlier, the narrow gate and the wide gate, the the broad road and the narrow road. Are there many being saved? The plain facts are there are very few true believers, and there are a lot of so-called brethren. There are many people who are walking a walk of faith. But we are to mimic the right walk, not the wrong one. We are to observe the right one, not the wrong one. We're not to be like the wrong one. If we are, maybe we're in trouble. So then he says, many, many. And I don't believe he's speaking of the world in general because the context, again, is a walk. Many walk this way. And the context is comparing to the false brethren. I think that's the case. There's many who believe they know the Lord, but don't know the Lord. The Lord Jesus would share this in John or in Matthew chapter 7. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, many, right? The Apostle Paul speaks of many, 2 Corinthians 2.17. For we are not like the many, peddling the word of God. Titus chapter 1, verse 10, or 18, excuse me, verse 10. For there are many rebellious men. Empty talkers, deceivers. First John 2.18, John speaks of it. There are many antichrists have arisen. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. First John 4. Second John chapter 1, it's only one chapter, verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Peter speaks of it. 2 Peter chapter 2 speaks about many will follow the false teachers, their sensuality. Because of them, the way of truth will be maligned. Many. 
many. Bottom line is many are going to walk the wrong way, and it's going to be an illustration or example of where their hearts are at and thus where their destiny is at. False brethren are often designated as the many. As the many. Don't we see this in churches today? Mega churches filled to the brim, but yet very few people truly mimicking the faith of the Apostle Paul as revealed in Scripture. Very few. We're commanded to be fellow imitators of Paul and to observe those who walk according to the pattern which we have. Because, verse 18, back in Philippians chapter 3, For many walk, of whom I often told you and now tell you weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. He says, I often spoke to you that the tense is in the past. I told you over and over and over again in the past about this. I've told you over and over. Many walk this way, but their end is destruction. Many walk this way. This way. Whom I told you often. Often. And I tell you even weeping. Weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. It broke his heart. Paul often spoke of that, of those who walked in a different way than they walked. He says, and now I tell you weeping. When was the last time you were moved over the state of the church, of so many people following Christ in this manner, actually effectively, as we will see, being enemies of the cross of Christ? Enemies of the truth that comes through what Jesus did on the cross. Enemies of that. Many look like they're following Jesus, but ultimately they're not mimicking the faith of Paul and those like him. And in contrast, we're going to see they set their minds on earthly things. Believers, we are to walk like Paul and scope out those who do so according to that pattern they have in him we see in Scripture. And if we don't do so, we're not going to differentiate the right path or the wrong path because God has revealed it in his word. And Paul warns us of the alternative. The alternative is not good. He says now weeping that these people do damage and their destiny is a destiny of destruction. Verse 18, For many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. What does he mean? They're enemies of the cross of Christ. I don't. This, I think it's implied here that they're not self-stated enemies of the cross, but because of their bogus walk, they are enemies of the cross of Christ, effectively speaking. That's why he's weeping. Now, I'm not sure about this, but what I think is happening here is that these false brethren at heart are enemies because they claim to follow Jesus Christ, but they reject the very basis in which one is saved. It's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And they reject that in their day-to-day walk. They don't walk by faith. They walk by their flesh. They walk by their feelings. They walk by their desires, as we will see. They walk by the very things that are opposed to the cross of Christ. You can't be saved by your own feelings and your own desires and your own flesh. You need to humble yourself and trust in Christ alone completely by faith. And we walk that way too. And those who don't walk that way who walk by their their flesh and their desires like Paul used to, they're actually hostile to the cross. The cross is where Christ brought about forgiveness of sins by his grace, 
Nothing from us. Nothing from us. He says, for many walk, often I told you, and now even tell you, weeping, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. One pastor says, in this high-profile media society like ours, do you realize the exposure bad examples get today? Do you realize the exposure enemies of the cross of Christ find themselves today through radio, television, books, and so forth? You have to be very careful and discerning not to follow someone who is masquerading as a friend and is really an enemy of the cross. Beloved, this is such a ringing constant theme in the New Testament that you almost feel like you're in a revolving door on the subject. We must beware of the enemies who masquerade as friends. That's the idea here. He has to tell the Philippians that they are enemies of the cross, not the Philippians, but they, those who walk that way. And it's very subtle. And frankly, this one pastor says, and I agree, the church lacks discernment. Don't follow people who are not truly following Christ. It may look like it on the outside, but they're not exemplifying the walk and the pattern that you see in the Apostle Paul that we are to pattern after. One is an enemy of the cross of Christ when they claim to be a believer and yet live lives that do not represent Christ. Therefore, their testimony actually draws people away from the cross. In contrast, there are so-called brethren who are not pressing forward towards the goal. In a practical sense, no matter what they say, their walk reveals they could care less about true Christ-likeness, but rather about their felt needs or their desires. When people are about themselves and their own will and desires, they are not friends of the cross of Christ, because that's what non-believers are like. And we see this type of walk, instead of being upward, it's actually downward. And it leads to hell. And Paul warned over this, and he mourned over it. Look again, verse 18. For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you even weeping, they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction. That's the end. End is destruction. Silence your phones. I forgot to tell you earlier. My fault. <laughs> His end is destruction. You see, this present heavens and earth, Peter says in Second Peter 3, 7, says it's being reserved for judgment, day of judgment, and destruction of ungodly men. You see, you can live an ungodly life, uh, even pretending to be a Christian. You can live not trusting Jesus your whole life. You can live following your own desires your whole life. But God will judge you and you will be eternally destroyed in punishment. The Lord Jesus shares this. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. You see, those who try to follow Jesus by their flesh, those who follow Jesus by their own desires, those who follow Jesus by not trusting in him, relying on him, mimicking Paul, are enemies of the cross. Enemies of the cross. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, And do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. 
We see in Hebrews chapter 10 that those who continue to forsake fellowship, they continue sinning, maybe because there's an evidence they're not saved, that there no longer remains uh, uh, a, 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 a sacrifice for sins, but a certain terrifying expectation of judgment. Same passage in Hebrews, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Don't play games with God. Don't play games. You can look at the walk that we should have. Yes, we fail. We confess our sin. We're not, we don't always do it. But we trust Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. We're not playing games. He says whose end is destruction. And notice their walk is described so that we can see what it looks like. Verse 19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Here you go. Here's the description. This is the description of the enemies of the cross of Christ. If this describes you right now, you are an enemy of the cross. And I'll explain. Text says, literally their belly is their God. And what is he talking about? He's speaking figuratively. This is used often to speak of appetites or desires. Their fleshly desires are their God. The same word is used in Romans 16. Turn now to Romans 16. It's used figuratively to say their flesh is what controls them. They live from desire to desire to desire to desire. They don't live by faith in Jesus Christ. They live by their desires. Romans 16, verse 17. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances in contradiction or contrary to the teaching which you've learned. They cause trouble contrary to what you've learned in Scripture. Keep your eye on that and turn away from them. Don't follow them, by the way. For such men are not slaves of our Lord Jesus Christ. They appear to be. That's why he's saying that they're not. He's saying they're not but of their own appetites. That's it. That's our word. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. They're out for their will, and they, and they deceive to get it. Their appetites is their God, their desires. Is your God your desire? Is that what controls you? Do your desires control you, or do you yield yourself to Christ? Their God is their flesh. Their flesh is their God. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. You see, when my mind is continually habitually set on the flesh, something's wrong. That's the way I was before I got saved. And God saved me, and he changed me, and he gave me heavenly desires. He changed my heart, and he changed your heart if you've been saved. Romans 8, verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. That's just a a, a statement of fact. If you are of the flesh, this is where your mind is at. If you are of the Spirit, this is where your mind is at. And he says here, For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God. Ah, enemy of the cross of Christ. Hostile. Same word, basically. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it's not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 
However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If you have not received the Spirit of God through a true, genuine faith in Jesus Christ, you are in the flesh, no matter how much you say you love Jesus, and it will manifest in your life, and you are effectively an enemy of the cross of Christ because your God is your desires. Your God is to your desires. And notice the second illustration. We have true believers put no confidence in the flesh, right? False ones do. They rely on it, and they are directed by it, right? Those are the enemies. Secondly, we see here, whose, and whose glory is in their shame. Now, it's interesting. It doesn't say their glory is their shame. What do I mean by that? There are those who are not saved who glory in their wickedness. But here, what he's basically saying is what they glory in is what they should be ashamed of. They should actually be ashamed of it. The things they boast about are actually shameful. And you say, can you give me an an illustration? I believe these false walkers don't glory in blatant sin, but they find their glory in these things they should be ashamed of. As Paul said earlier, their own abilities, their own confidence, their own understanding in their flesh. You should be ashamed as a Christian if you rely on those things. If you rely on your flesh, you should be ashamed when you did that. If you rely on your own abilities rather than trusting Jesus, you should be ashamed when you do that. But they glory in it. Remember the contrast between true brethren and false brethren. We are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God, glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. But these don't walk that way. Give you an example. We have so many so-called Christian churches and even radio shows that glory in their ability to help marriages and families. But by and large, their help is not from the Word of God and total dependence to Christ. They should be ashamed of it. They should be ashamed. We should spot it. They're not trusting in Christ. They're glorying in how they can help people rather than God, through dependence in Him, changing our hearts. Another example. It's subtle. It's subtle. When you recognize your total inadequacy and need for Christ as you trust in him and he lives through you, what else can you do but boast in him? Your glory's in Christ. Your glory's in Christ. So back here he says, many walk in contrast, not mimicking the walk that Paul reveals in Scripture and those who walk like it, uh, not looking forward towards the upward call, but looking back, false brethren who ultimately, notice here, who ultimately, end of verse 19, set their mind on earthly things. That's the bottom line. They continually, habitually, that's the tense, think about the things of earth. This is the difference. Day in and day out, from start of the day to the finish of the day, it is about this life alone. Yes, God may be added in here and there, but it's all about this plane this way. You're an enemy of the cross of Christ, this is you. Because you haven't been saved yet, and you're on your way to destruction. This is the mindset of the unbeliever. Fully consumed with self and the things of self, the things of blo- the below. But when we were saved, we received the Spirit of God, and we were able to comprehend the truth of God, comprehend spiritual realities concerning Christ who is in heaven and where our upward call came from and where we're going. 
We believers are continually exhorted to, exhorted to renew our minds with the heavenly realities. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world. Don't think like the world. Don't be like it. But transform through the renewing of your mind. We can be transformed now that we have Jesus by his spirit. That you may prove what the will of God is that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Now, it doesn't mean you don't think about the things on earth, but everything is filtered through the things of the above. My trials here, my relationships here, my work, my everything is filtered through what God has said and what he has revealed in Christ. It's all filtered through that. It's a different mindset. You see, those who are enemies of the cross of Christ set their minds on the things of earth, earthly things. What do you set your mind on day in and day out? For I was saved, I, w- I would have said I was saved, but I set my mind on me, myself, and I, and my life. That's what I did. It was an evidence I was on my way to destruction, but God graciously saved me. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. There's a statement. If something has happened to you, then do this. This is what we're to do. Don't follow false brethren who set their mind on earthly things, guys and gals. Don't walk the way they walk. Look to those who are trusting in Christ, setting their mind on the things above. Not perfect. You set your mind on things above and you fail, you're confessing. Right? Right? Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, if you have died with him, chapter 2, and you've been raised with him in newness of life, you've trusted in Jesus, that's simple. If that's happened to you, then keep seeking, that you've already started to do so. Keep seeking. Don't begin, because you already did when you got saved. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Set your mind on the things above. Set your mind on the things above. If you're truly saved, we're commanded to do so. And we have the ability to do so now because we have his word and his spirit. True believers do so. False brethren do not. They do not. Their God is their appetite. They set their mind on these fleshly things. And they focus on the things of earth. Again, Romans chapter 8, five, verse 5, I'll read it. For those who are according to the flesh set their mind according to the flesh. But those according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Where do you stand today? You see, Paul's exhorting them and us to walk like him. To be focused on the things above, that upward call. To be focused on knowing Christ and becoming like him. Seeing every event in our lives in the context of knowing Christ and glorifying him. Versus those who are on the road to destruction. Who see everything in light of themselves. Their God is their desire. Their circumstances are self-focused. They're on the road to destruction. They self-focus. And they set their mind on earthly things. Walk this way because if you're not walking this way, you're on your way to hell. Four. Where are you today? Where does your mind dwell? Are you pressing forward, not looking back? Are you mimicking Paul, imitating him? 
Maybe you are a believer, but you've let things slip, and you know it, and God's spanking you. Be thankful. Set your mind on the things above. Renew your heart and mind. Press forward, seeking the things above. Maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe you realize, you know what, I, I just, I'm about me. That's my life. I get up, it's about me all day long. God is gracious to reveal that before the end, which is destruction. Turn to Jesus Christ. Confess your sin. Believe in him, and he'll save you. And he'll give you new desires. New desires. So then, today, we have seen that we are to be fellow imitators. We are to become fellow imitators of the Apostle Paul and those who walk like he walks. Let's do that. Let's become fellow imitators of Paul. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I thank you that your word reveals where hearts are at. And I pray for anyone here whose mindset is on the flesh, you know the heart, that uh, they would have been convicted of their need of salvation, that they are effectively an enemy of the cross. Lord, that they would turn to the cross of your son Jesus, believe in him, and be saved. And Father, thank you that although we were your enemies, we were hostile engaged in evil deeds, you you saved us. And help us to obey this command to, to imitate the walk of your servant Paul, which you've revealed in Scripture, to keep our minds focused on you and to observe those who walk this way and do the same thing. Father, thank you for your word. May our minds be set rightly on the things above. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.